When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Carl and J-Man Saves the World podcast. I am your co-host, the five-star, five-diamond chef, J-Man. And with me is my co-host, Mr. It's Good Enough That He Has a Head Big Enough to Fit Two Crowns, the Prince of No Air, Carlton Banks, the Prince of (laughs) Egypt, my good buddy, Mr. Co-host to you, Carl. (laughs) <laughs> Carlton Banks. Did you like that? <laughs> Did you fresh, like that intro? The Fresh Prince of Bel Air kind of style. The, the, the Fresh Prince of Nowhere. Do you, do you know where that came from? <laughs> yeah, where did that come from? So last time you told us that uh, you had no nicknames. Yeah, I, and, I didn't have any nicknames. And, and the professional that I am did some research, and it turns out that you do have some nicknames. Uh, one being Carlton, given to you by your old colleagues over at uh, Moncopi Developers Corporation. Really? Yes. And then the other coming from uh, a, a good friend of mine, but is uh, a former high school classmate of both you and I. And they told me that uh, her and her friends in high school called you uh, the Prince of Egypt because of how your hair was back in the day. The Prince of Egypt. That was the 90s movie, right? The 90s movie? I I think so. I think so. So however the hair style was (laughs) back back in the early 2000s. That hairstyle was the best hairstyle. It was the bowl haircut. You know, that was the best hairstyle ever. I I thought I looked cool. So, so uh, new intro music episode <laughs> yeah. two. How did how did you like the intro music? Man, I I, I like it. It's got that little uh, hopey flair, but you know the, <laughs> the the actual song I think is kind of uh, uh, it makes us a little bit throwback. You know, we're a little old school. So, yeah, exactly. You know, I, I thought that led in really well. That was my voice. <laughs> did, you, did you listen to my sexy voice? I I I, I thought that was you. I kind of laughed the first time that I heard it. <laughs> well. You know, like back in high school, um, I thought I was cool. You know, I, I thought I was like the the, the cool guy because I used to wear black. I used to wear all black. And uh, I used to hang out with like all the goth kids. So I thought I was cool. I know so told you that you're the best looking kid at school. <laughs> but, you know, from the rest from the rest of our perspective, uh, no. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. But so, so far, you know, episode two, uh, our pilot episode is uh, doing great. Yeah. Thank you to everybody out there uh, listening at home that yeah, listened to you. our pilot episode and sharing our, our uh, podcast through your social media accounts. We appreciate it. It's surpassed uh, the amount of listens that we uh, thought that it was going to. So thank you. And here we are with episode two. Oh, yeah. So, you know, like going back to the res talk and everything like that, I mean, we used to, you know, when back in high school, you know, back in high school, we used to go, uh, you and I went to Tuba City High School. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was, I thought it was okay. 
I I thought you know I high school for me I I thought it was okay I I I always wondered though what life was like at uh, Hopi High School because yeah. uh, Hopi Junior Senior High School is the official unofficial uh, high school of the Hopi Reservation and I think the majority of uh, people that live here on Hopi that's uh, or they usually send their kids to go to school and I always wondered you know what's it what, what would it be like to be in a high school where you're surrounded by majority Hopis because for us at Tuba. It was majority Navajo students. Yeah, exactly. And you know, oh man, I got I got stories for you from high school and stuff like that. I remember back in grade school, back in seventh grade, I almost burned down the school. <laughs> <laughs> I, I find that hard to believe. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, what was the what was the name of that junior high? Junior high. The, the junior high school in Tuba. Yeah. What was that? Was the school's name? Uh, Tuba City Junior High School. That's what it was called. Yeah. Oh. Are you talking about the public school or the boarding school? The public school. Yeah, Tuba City Junior High School. That's all it was? That, that's all it was. I thought I was giving like a cool-ass name. No, it was Tuba City Junior High School. Well, then that's a shitty name. Then. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, I was uh, I was in uh, seventh grade, and uh, I was sitting underneath the desk. It was free time, and I found a I found a bobby pin. You know, the bobby pin that you stick in the, you know, the hair. You know, you're, like to you're hold. supposed to put it in your hair, but I think a lot of us <laughs> stuck it in our ears when we were kids. Well, I stuck it in a different place. <laughs> um, being me, being a mushhead, you know, a child there, I was, uh, uh, I, I was tempted to stick it into a, a, an outlet, and um, I found out that, uh, you know, I didn't know that at the time that electricity was was dangerous. So I, I, uh, I found a piece of green wire. I attached it to the end of that bobby pin. And I said, oh, man, I, I wonder what would happen if I stuck this into the outlet there. So what did I do? I went in and I, oh, my God, it shocked the hell out of me. And I didn't know what happened. That green piece of wire, it melted. That, the, uh, the coating of it, it melted and it fell onto the ground and it started a little fire. You didn't know that electricity was dangerous. No, they didn't teach that. In, oh, they, I went to public school. The, these are the kids that you're working with here on the reservation, folks. He did not know that electricity was dangerous as a kid. <laughs> this so, is uh, public education. Uh, public public res education there. Yeah, with a, with a shitty name just of, uh, you know, <laughs> of the Tuba City. I, I thought it was a fine name. <laughs> I thought it was a fine name. <laughs> And so I, I think, well, uh, for us, um, going back, um, talking growing up res that, you know, I think that last time, you know, we spoke a lot about our experiences, but one of the things that we didn't really do was that we didn't paint this landscape of uh, Hopi, the Hopi Reservation, of this great land that we live in. Uh, because if you're not familiar with Hopi, you know, there's there's uh, some key names that, you know, we'll probably reference and you're probably sitting there wondering, well, you know, what the hell is this place that they're talking about? They're talking about all these different places. And so um, for the Hopi Reservation, there's, uh, what, 12 villages? Yeah, 12 villages. 12 villages, and each village obviously has its own name. Uh, obviously has its own story mm -hmm. of how they were uh, created. But I think for, um, in terms of reservations, I think that there's one common with most reservations is that, you know, if you're living on a big reservation, that each part of the reservation kind of has its own sections. 
Oh yeah. If you think about old black movies, right? The each neighbor, each block has its own gang. It has its own name. It yeah. has its own uh, unique characteristics. Yeah. And yeah. so, which is true for here on Hoopy, right? Yeah. Um, you got uh, First Mesa. Let's mm-hmm. start on the most eastern side of the reservation. You got First Mesa, and then the the communities, the villages that are associated with First Mesa. You got uh, Walpi. Which I guess you could say is the the main village. Okay, and then uh, from there you have uh, the the village of uh, Tewa. Yeah, which is a village uh, comprised of non Hopis. Um, they're they're a branch of of, of Pueblo natives that came okay. from New Mexico. All right, uh, then you got them, and then over time the two villages intermingled, and you got Setzomovi village, which is which is another village there. Um, and then other community uh, communities associated with First Mesa, you got Kings Canyon. Uh, Palaka, uh, and I think there's a place called Spider Mound. Oh yeah, and isn't there another community that's associated with First Mesa? Really, it has some sort of traditional name. But um, you know, you and I we're, we're we're from the opposite end of the reservation, so yeah. you know this isn't really our 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 expertise area. We're from the Navajo side. <laughs> we're from the Navajo <laughs> side, and so you know, First Mesas. Um, my perspective is that they talk really fast when they speak Hopi and you can't understand a single word that they're saying. No. <laughs> and then you go on over to uh, Second Mesa. Second Mesa where you have uh, Sangopavi Village. Yeah. Uh, you have Masangnavi Village and then you have Sapalavi Village. Yeah. And I think their claim to fame is that uh, they use the F sound yeah. when they speak Hopi. F those guys. And F. <laughs> and, and, and so and so, you know, if if you're if you're somebody that uh, comprehends the Hopi language, it definitely makes the way that they speak uh, different and weird. Yeah. And then what? What? Uh, then third Mesa. What is? What did? What do they sound like? And then in the third Mesas, I think we sound normal. I think we fairly sound normal. Well, F those guys too. <laughs> and so both you and I come from that part of the reservation, from the third Mesa side of the reservation, which encompasses the villages of uh, Oraivi. Yeah. Kikotsmovi, uh, where we're recording from now. And um, uh, I don't know what you call this place, Studio Jesus. Ah. The, the holy <laughs> studio. The holy grail. Yeah, there's a big bell outside. Uh-huh. So. And a big cross. A big there's cross. There's a big cross oh, yeah, outside. We're, big we're cross. recording from what, what once used to be the Hopi Mission School. Yeah. And which was uh, uh, a school run by the Christians. Yeah. 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 So yeah. hence, uh, Studio Jesus and the Holy Studio. Amen. And then aside from those two villages, then you have uh, Pakavi Village, your village, Hotvela. Mm-hmm. And then way 50 miles away from the rest of everybody else. The Navajo Island. The red-headed stepchild of the Hopi Reservation, my village, Mwenkapi, Upper and Lower. All of those are just Navajos. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's kind of the landscape of uh, where we are here on the Hopi Reservation. And, you know, I'd like to think that, you know, we're kind of the voice, at least for the time being, the only uh, Hopi podcast uh, emanating from our lands, that oh, yeah. we're we're kind of the uh, the mouthpiece, and um, that's kind of our perspective of the different places. And um, each uh, Hopi, you know, is, is affiliated with one of those three mesas, uh, one of those villages, and you know that definitely, uh, I guess, creates the characteristics and the perspectives of um, the places that they come from. Because then, you know, you think about the Walpies. If you were to hear their uh, version of how Hopi came to be, okay, it, it would they'd probably say that they're the ones that started it, 
And then if you listen to the Sanlopavi perspective, you know, that they're they're going to say the same thing, that you know, oh, we're yeah. the ones that started this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then you come to our side of the reservation, the village of Oraivi, you know, we're the ones that started this. So, oh, yeah. you know, and so you, you have those um, different type of perspectives and um, relationships with one another, one another having to deal with one another. But, you know, in the, in, in the spirit of growing up res, you know, we're a bunch of shit talkers. We, we like to uh, talk crap to each other See, and say that, you know, my village is better than your village <laughs> or my mesa is better than your mesa. We retain more traditions than you do and, you know, so forth. So See, we don't know how to play nice with each other. <laughs> no, we're very mean <laughs> to each other. We're, so we're, we're, we're very mean to each other. But you know what? I think that that's something that's pretty uh, fairly common with, with a lot of Native people. Yeah. Um, because um, I know that in, in Apache, uh, the Apache lands, in um, you got the, the White Mountain Apaches. Okay. And then you got the San Carlos Apaches. And uh, don't you dare call somebody from San Carlos White Mountain or vice versa. Really? Because they don't like it. Really? They, they, they really don't like it. Wow. Um, and, you know, and, 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 you know I, I don't even know if they really like each other. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think that's a dynamic that's fairly uh, common with uh, most Native people is that, you know, we, uh, I guess, kind of uh, sectionalize ourselves and based upon our own histories and the pride in those histories and the uniqueness of, you know, each one of us, you yeah. know, like you said, you know, the, the Samoa yeah. they're the efforts. They, they speak with that, that F uh, still in, in their language. And then for us third Mesas, you know, um, when it comes to singing our traditional songs, uh, we sing like we still got a pair. Low and slow. <laughs> Low and slow. And and so, you know, those are kind of some of the differences. But I guess in terms of talking language, um, one of the things that's pretty common on most reservations is this idea of slang. Uh-huh. Res slang. Ah, res slang. Oh, I remember res slang. What are some uh, slang words that you can recall from going <laughs> Do you still speak? Do in, I still with, speak with, in this with, slang with a, with a, with, Do you still use the slang words? <laughs> Or do you still speak with an accent? See, in high school, we used to say A a lot. Mm-hmm. A! And, like, hey. <laughs> and where did that come from? It came from the Navajos. That came from the Navajos. There were a bunch of Navajos over there. <laughs> and so A was said a lot. And then um, the, I guess the, the Munkapi opposite of the A is uh, Oh, yeah. The nui, nui. So you nui. say a lot. Nui. And then um, I, I guess coming on to this side, I and this is the part where I kind of um, – uh, I get confused a little bit. Is it Second Mesa that says, nah, nah, oh, nah. Yeah. yeah, that's right. I forgot all about that. And then I think the first Mesas, they say, I, 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 I. Maybe they're Mexican. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> that's where they come from. Maybe it's the Spanish side. It started side. from there. It's, it's the Spanish side. It started from the Spanish. And so, you know, we have all these, um, and, and I, I guess that's kind of an example of um, terms because like when you say a or when you say ni or na or i oh, yeah. uh, that what does that mean what 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 do those terms mean i, I have no idea like uh, I, I i would say it probably means um really or okay oh. or almost kind of like an exclamation of really oh because then you know like you you go you're telling your friends a story and then you get to a real pivotal point where maybe it makes everybody laugh. Yeah. But instead of laughing, right, you say, <laughs> or, you know, the equivalent to it based upon, you know, where, wherever it is that you're coming from. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, I think those are some slang words that are probably more uh, 
I, I guess, associated to a specific tribe and region of that reservation. Mm -hmm. But maybe um, some other slang words that are more universal, I've always thought was something like, uh, is it? Oh, yeah. Wait. Where did that one come from? I, you know, I've heard that at the high school. I've heard the Navajos say it. Really? And and I've heard uh, the Hopis say See, it. See, I was cool enough not to use that. Kind of <laughs> you never said, you never I said I never that. said, is it? You never said that. I think maybe in one point I did. Maybe that, maybe that's more Navajo thing. Maybe then. that is maybe a Maybe that's Navajo. a more Navajo thing where you it say. started it. from there. Yeah, where you say, is it? Is it? Or uh, Z. Z. Ah, oh, <laughs> Z. I remember Z. Or what, what does that come from? I think that comes from the Navajo side too. No, but I mean, uh, what's the direct? Oh, like the what's the what's the oh, meaning? Okay. It's like no way. Yeah, like, no. And no. then you always have to make that zero Z with zero. The, with your arms and your your forearm to make that Z. And thing. it's funny too because you know when we use these slang words, like you don't say it like these slang words are said with emotion. Oh yeah, you don't just say Z. You don't just say A. You don't just say me. <laughs> There's some sort of big emotional burst that comes with it, and it's always know? it's always at the end. You say bro, yeah, bro, Z bro, Z bro, Z bro, Z bro, <laughs> and and so you know, I think that one of I guess one of the funny things um, that I for for us res natives, especially for those of us like you and I that have gone on to get an education you kind of remove yourself from uh, the, the community that has developed this type of vernacular, this type of vocabulary. Yeah. And then, you know, you, you transfer yourself to a predominant uh, white society. Oh, yeah. And especially like when you start working, right, you have to develop this professional vocabulary mm -hmm. to where you're in the workplace and then you're answering to your boss. Oh, no, Mr. Johnson, you know, the information yeah. in the presentation will be uh, the appropriate length and will be de uh, delivered at the appropriate time. Oh, yeah. And then you remove yourself from there if you're living in the city and then you're going back home. And then I don't know if it's just the feeling of being back home, <laughs> but it just comes out of you, right? You see yeah. your bros down at the village. What up? What are you guys up to? All right, then. Oh, for real? Okay. All right. We'll talk to you later. Later. <laughs> and, you know, it's so funny because um, it's just more than the words that you say, but it comes with an accent. Oh, yeah. Because mm -hmm. um, one of my good friends, we were roommates. And he always used to tell me that, you know, every time you go home, you come back with an accent. You're, you're all talking all res, <laughs> talking all res. And so, you know, I, I think that it's uh, wherever you're at um, that brings that out of you. So when you're in the Cuba, you know, talking to your buddies yeah. and, you know, they're, they're, they talk that way yeah. in that wrestling. Yeah. And then, yep. you know, is it? No, for real? Yeah. Oh, cool. All right, bro. All right, we'll talk to you later. Late. And then, you know, you, you, you kind of go into into that different type of um into that different type of talk. But, you know, I, I think that for me, I, I think what finds it most uh, fascinating is that um, the way that we talk, a lot of it is developed from um, how we speak our traditional languages, right? Because they say that if you speak fluently another language, more than likely it's going to give you an accent when you speak the English yeah. language. Yep. Yeah, that is true. And then um, can you think of some slang words that um, maybe that's influenced by, by Hopi Lavai? Mm, I have no idea. That's that's probably uh, uh, I'm like you're just the same thing. Like me, 
that's pretty much it. I, I was a sheltered kid <laughs> because, cause in my village and, and, and see, that's the difference because like, you know, you, like I said, you know, you watch like yeah. the, the gangster movies, yeah. right? The, the yeah. Mexicans and, and the blacks, you yeah. know, that my hood, you know, for us, it's our, my village in my village, yeah. in my ville, um, in my village, we used to say, uh, Hey, <laughs> or we used to say, uh, um, what? <laughs> Which was reference to all mawa'ilta. Oh, really? And mawa'ilta means... Yeah, it means wet. Means wet. Mm. <laughs> and so when you're teasing somebody, when they get excited about something, you're all mawet, mawet. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, you know, I think those are some... Do, um, the, do the kids still say these things now? <laughs> you know what? They, I, I, I think that's a good point because um, I, I kind of thought of that for, for a while because I do have two uh, teenage girls yeah. at home. And a lot of the slang words um, are... are, are um, originated through i think the music that they listen to really and so i don't think it's necessarily uh village slang anymore but more of you know the the lits and the fires yeah and uh yeah. I, I don't know what else that they say because you know i try to talk hip and it makes me <laughs> sound old and so um those are kind of some of the um I guess the words that we used to use growing up as kids. Um, and I, I think that, uh, like I said, the, the language, the traditional language is really influenced, you know, some of these things that we say, because then like, you know, you think about our the Navajos, right? Yeah. Um, if you've ever heard a Navajo speak their traditional language, there's a lot of the S noise yeah. that they say. And so when they go to speaking English, they put, S at the end of every single word. S those guys. <laughs> S at the end of every single word where S's don't belong. And uh, things like now what they say is like uh, scoden, which is uh, <laughs> yes. let's go then, scoden, <laughs> scoden, and, and so, you know, I think something like that is really, it shows that it derives from Navajo. Yeah. Because they really have that S sound that's uh, pretty uh, common in majority of their traditional words, so you know when they're speaking English, let's go then, let's go see, then. See, I live with old people, and mm-hmm. their slang word is "huh." <laughs> <laughs> that's their, that's the slang word that they use. As, hey, so make me a sandwich, huh? And and that goes with everything. <laughs> it goes with every, that's the that's the slang language that we use. Mom, did you hear me? Huh? huh? <laughs> Yeah, that, that's I, a good one. That's think, a good one. I think that, that. Okay, thank you for listening, guys. Thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for sticking with us <laughs> through 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 that um, through that conversation. And so, um, but the slang words, and then um, I think the other thing that we talked about too that we didn't really talk about too much in depth uh, the last time is um, the traditional cuisines oh, yeah, or yeah. I guess the res cuisines. Ooh. Cause, cause we talked about, you know, some of this, I, I, I don't know what you would call them. The, the, uh, the, the colonized. Oh, yeah. like, the, the, what would we say? The, um, the Kool-Aid and um, you talked about some of the hewis that you guys yeah. used to hunt. Yeah. But I think one of the big things that we forgot to mention, and this is actually kind of a new introduction, because I know that these weren't around when we were kids, but uh, piccadillies. Piccadillies, yes. The snow cones with, with the, the pickles, Kool-Aid the and the chopped up pickles yeah. that's in them. Who, Diabetes in a cup. I, I wonder who thought of something like that. I want to know who, who was the first person to ever think about putting pickles on ice. And with Kool-Aid. And with Kool-Aid. Additional seasonings. Yeah. 
Well, whoever um, whoever invented the thing is probably getting paid a lot of money by uh, diabetes research <laughs> because they provided them with numerous test subjects to be able to experience uh, in the field of medicine as it relates to diabetes. <laughs> the first time I had uh, that Piccadilly was probably back maybe, mm, I say about five years ago. Around five years ago, okay. roughly around okay. five years ago, and it's been a long. It's been around for quite some time. Yeah, it's been around yeah. for quite some time. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'll try a Piccadilly. What did you think of it? I hated it. <laughs> Why did you hate it? <laughs> I was like, you can't have cold pickles. It's basically it's just ice pickles with a little bit of Kool Aid in there. I I think that it was my girls that uh, introduced me to it because oh, yeah. you know they're 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 young and they still got their hearts to uh, to the streets and you know to what's cool the dirt roads yeah. and so they brought that idea to us you know these are the Piccadillys and um, I tried it and you know what? I thought it was okay I I thought it was okay but I could only eat one. Um, and then I'm good for, for quite a while, <laughs> but I've also heard that, you know, they're called, uh, different things in different places. And so down in Phoenix, down, um, in, in Pima lands, yeah. they, they call them pickle slushies. Pickle and, slushies. And, and of course, you know, they claim that, you know, they invented them and, and, yeah. and they're the best around. And so, you know, you got all the, the, the queevy, uh, city hopies kind of, <laughs> they're not called Piccadillys, they're, they're pickle slushies. And it's like, well, well, that's what we call them right here. So, you know, they're, they're Piccadillys, but, um. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, that was one thing that we didn't talk about. Um, and then I think the other thing that's kind of uh, universal is uh, fry bread. Ah, it is fry bread. Fry bread. Remember that movie, the fry bread movie? What was that fry bread movie called? Um, I, I think I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, remember the, More Than Fry Bread? Is that what it's called? I, I believe that it might be called that. Have, have you seen it? I, I, I've never I have, seen it. I have the, the DVD. Oh, nice. You should let me borrow it. Yeah. Sometime. And uh, remember, it had features. Um, uh, I think was some of Hopi. I think one of the Hopi women that were around here. Oh no, kidding! Yeah, and it was. Remember, it was uh, filmed at um, Kilani, the Kilani dorms. Oh, down in Flagstaff. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, and uh, you know they were they were making jokes about like who's the best fry bre- fry bread cooker. And, okay. Yeah. Okay, and that's kind of like a, a universal food, but um, I think one of the things that I kind of was telling my wife in in discussing fry bread, and I don't know if you agree with me, but I feel like that out here in Hopi that fry bread isn't necessarily as worshipped. Yeah. It's not necessarily as holy. Yeah. Like you remember the movie Smoke Signals, uh-huh. right? Like, uh, you know, Irene Joseph uh, prevented uh, <laughs> a fry bread um, escapade. 50 in, guests and she tore 50 fry bread or something like that. I don't know. She prevented a fry bread riot. <laughs> but I don't think fry bread would necessarily cause a riot out here, right? No. What type of food do you think would cause a riot out here in Hopi Land? Beaky. Beaky? Yeah. I was actually going to say tacos, <laughs> tacos, like like you know the Mexican tacos oh, or, or the yeah. Americanized version of of a Mexican yeah, taco. The, because you know I I think that that's slowly integrated to being a, a common unofficial Hopi food. Really, it's at every single ceremony, every single dance. Um, you know the the men fight for over it. You know when the women cook it. So yeah. you know that that's what I thought it would be the equivalent. So to, like the to starting a fry bread right out here. So like real Hopi tacos are just ground beef with nothing added into there and just tossed into a, a shell that's just been semi fried and uh, topped with a little bit of uh, sauce and um, uh, what is it the uh, lettuce. Mm-hmm. 
That's mm-hmm. basically it. Mm-hmm. Bland, bland food. <laughs> and we go crazy and we over go it. Crazy over and it. we go crazy over it. Um, and so I, I think that, uh, but I guess in regards to the topic of fry bread, the topic of, is it an Indian taco? Oh, is yeah. Is it that, that a native the, taco? That was the war. Is it an all nations taco? What's the difference between <laughs> a Hopi taco and an Navajo taco? <laughs> uh, one is less greasy. I don't know. <laughs> this is the answer that somebody once told me. Okay. The difference between a Navajo taco and a Hopi taco is that the Navajos use GMO beans and the Hopis use organic beans uh-huh. because they grow the beans oh, yeah. in their own uh, fields. Yeah. But then I think even that changes uh, in between reservations because like fry bread, right? Um, fry bread down south in uh, in Pima country with the Ottoms, they call it turnovers. Mm. And then when they make their tacos, they smash up the beans a little bit so that it's, it, I guess it kind of gives it a little bit more creamier texture. Really? So it's not as runny. Huh. And then so, but up here, up north, you know, I, I think that we still have to perfect, you know, the, uh, this chili bean making. Because sometimes, you know, you get it and it's basic. It's almost like a soup. Yeah. The beans and, and the ground hamburger are kind of just swimming yeah. in, in this soup. That's Hopi cooking and, for you. <laughs> and so, you know, some some differences between um, the tacos uh, down south and up yeah. north. But I think that for us Hopis that, you know, because fry bread, like I said, isn't as uh, much of a religious thing to us as it is for some tribes. Uh, and then you mentioned biki, which is probably, um, I, I guess, the closest thing to traditional bread for us. Yeah. And I never understood why they called it bread. It, it never resembled, you know, what, what the Bahana world, uh, what bread is. I think that's just like the Bahana term of like, you know, the side dish or mm-hmm, something. Mm-hmm. So. Potentially. And then, um, but fortunately for us out here that in terms of our cuisine that we still do indulge in, in a lot of traditional dishes. Oh, yeah. Uh, what, what's your favorite traditional Hopi dish? Uh, hamburgers. So makes them every every other week. Okay, so. that's your favorite. <laughs> and so my favorite is probably uh, nekwavi, which yep. is you know our, I guess our, our hominy stew. Uh-huh. Um, hominy it's stewed with um, usually with the uh, mutton. Yeah, with, with the mutton. Yep. And then uh, for most of us, you know, you tons of salt in there, <laughs> and then uh, some chili, some yeah. roasted chili. Yeah. And then you eat it with bread. But you then, only eat that during certain times, mm-hmm. though. And then you only yeah. eat that during certain times. But um, that's probably, I think, for the most part, most people's favorite dish. What's one dish that um, that maybe you can't eat? That I can't eat? Yeah, is there anything that's oh a traditional God. dish that you can't eat? I don't think I can't eat anything. Um, mine's just the, the ponokwivi. Ponokwivi? Yeah. Oh, I love that, that stuff. That's, that, it's, it's difficult for me to eat and, you know, to, to describe it. It's, you know, <laughs> you take the intestines of the sheep yeah. and then you cook it yeah. underground yeah. In, in the same way that you make the um, the pikami yeah. in the same pikami pit. Yep. But then it's, it's it, I guess it kind of has um, an element of blood sausage. Mm-hmm. Uh, you take the blood and then, you know, the ladies, they mix, mix it, up it with, with the, crushed beak. Yeah, yeah. with uh, their blue corn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they put that in with it. And it's, it's, it's like a stew when yeah. it's served. Yeah. And I can eat the part of the blood in the beaky just fine. Yeah. But when it gets to the intestines, man, oh. it, it's so fibrous. Like you're, it's like chewing gum. You must not be native <laughs> enough. You, <laughs> that's the reason. How, how res am I? <laughs> it's the reason it, it, why you call yourself the chef. <laughs> that's why. <laughs> that's, that's the 
reason why you call yourself the chef. You just don't want to eat other people's food. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think that um, I, I, on on that note, um, what what other dishes can you think of that um, is pertinent to the discussion? I don't know. I'm not. We. I mean, like Seoul, like makes atsumiviki uh, every now okay. and then. Okay. Um, um, so like somiviki sometimes if she's in the mood mm-hmm. or if Kwa hounds her for like, um, like, uh, what is it? Uh, um, like beans, like the traditional beans, okay. beans. Okay. And then, um, I, I guess going, shifting the convo back to on, on the, I don't know, we'll call it the colonized side, the, the, the <laughs> white man side. Um, what are some dishes that are pretty common in most Hopi kitchens? Uh, hamburger helper, tacos, tacos, um, egg gravy, spaghetti, spaghetti, spaghetti is like the top of everything. And, and, um, for, for our, our, I guess at home cooks out here on the reservation, very little seasoning, right? (laughs) See, our, our seasoning is salt. I kind of came to the conclusion that Hopi women don't know how to cook for maybe one or two people. (laughs) <laughs> and I, I figured this out because Seoul uh, makes so much food and that we eat that for the rest of the week, basically. So you're eating hamburgers So we're Monday eating hamburger Friday. for the rest of the week, pretty much. And then you're eating the hamburger helper Monday through Friday? <laughs> Monday through Friday. Lunch. They don't know how to make, like, you know, individual meals, like how Bahanas usually uh-huh, make it and uh-huh. stuff like that. I mean, you know, and I guess that goes back to, like, traditional um etiquette or something like that it's like like you know when if somebody's gonna stop by maybe then they have extra food that they can feed them with that and you know bahanas they they don't they don't care about other people they're gonna just have their portion mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i think that also probably at, at attributes to um what the home dynamic is for most hopis right because um i, I well i think it's probably unique for you and i because you live with just your uh with your grandparents with so and Kwa. yeah and then for me you know it's just my family my wife and our yeah. kids but there's a lot of families out there that have uh multi-generational homes meaning oh, yeah. that you know there's uh uh several uh generations of family members living in the same household so when it comes to dinner time you know you're not cooking just for three people or five people oftentimes you know you're cooking for 10 people oh yeah and then so young girls you know they're raised in that way and so when they get old enough and you know maybe they go off to college or maybe they go you know elsewhere maybe they move to one of the nearby urban areas to pursue uh, education or school and then you know when they get there they're trained to cook for 10 people and so it's difficult for them to, uh, I, I guess, um, r- reduce the amount of cooking that they do. So it's just <laughs> yeah. for them. And, you know, I think that you've probably experienced this, too, um, in, you know, in, in, in living in the urban areas. Yeah. Is that, you know, when you have Native friends, you know, they're inviting you over to eat a oh, lot of man, the time. Oh, the, the food that we got from the Native people, yeah. Because fun. because then they end up falling into that um, into that <laughs> hole where you know I, I cooked for ten people and it's just me here. Yeah, come help me eat eat it. the rest of this food. Bring <laughs> your friends, you know, bring whoever you know. Tell them to to come get some food. And so you know, I I think that um, because the last time you know we did talk about um, I I guess uh, us as adolescents as children um, growing up res um, and you know back to. This, this conversation that we're having, um, we, we talked about some things that kind of made me really think, you know, we talked about um, 
laughing at people when they hurt themselves. Uh-huh. And then, you know, you kind of um, develop this different type of mentality growing up here, growing up out here on the reservation. And so, you know, I think that one of the reasons why we think about what we um, are, the reasons why we are the way that we are is because I think as youngsters, as youngins, we're exposed in a way to a lot of things that, you know, most kids in a lot of different places aren't exposed to. Oh, no, no. Like, you, like as children, you see alcoholism. Yep. As children, you see drug abuse. Oh, yeah. You know, and unfortunately, you know, as children, you see domestic abuse. We see that all the time. And so I think things like that kind of, um, I, I guess, uh, it desensitizes us to violence, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, and I, I think that I'm able to kind of get this different perspective because, you know, I grew up in the city and then you also grew up in the city. Yeah. And then, you know, you probably have some non-Native friends and kind of pick up on um, what their demeanors are oh, towards yeah. life yeah. and um, what their reactions are to certain things. Uh-huh. Like uh, this question, for example, um, let's say you get into a fight, right? Yeah. You get into a fight and then you tell somebody, you know, oh, I just got into a fight. What's usually the first thing that they ask you? Uh, are you okay? No, they ask you, did you kick their ass? Oh, did oh you, I thought you were you, talking about did you, the, did you the behind the side of <laughs> <No>. my... <laughs> when, you, when you tell a native person, you know, I just got into a fight, the usual reaction usually is, did you did, kick their ass? Oh, did you win? Did you win? <laughs> you know, it, it's it's like what yeah. your reaction was. Yeah. It's not, um, are you okay? Oh, yeah, that's the What's wrong the with side. you? Why are you fighting? Yeah. You know, but when you do it out here on the reservation, like it's so common that you see it, you know, a, a lot of the times is that, you know, most of us that grew up out here, we've probably all been in some sort of physical fight. So how many times have you been in a fight? Uh, f- I, I probably couldn't. Um, <laughs> it would take me some time to think about it. That's probably zero. That's why. <laughs> We're going to fight after this. <laughs> and that'll be one. <laughs> that'll be one. With me being the winner, probably. Oh, I don't think that's going to be true. I'm pretty sure it's going to be true. And so, you know, I think that um, those types of things that we experience at a young age, it kind of reshapes how we think of the world. It makes us think that fighting, physical fighting is okay. Yeah. Um, It makes us think uh, in in regards to other things um, that might not be acceptable in other societies, acceptable here. Um, Like you think about our women, right? You think about the ladies, uh, the young girls that are growing up here unquote uh unquote res girls yeah. right yeah. like like a res girl would tell you to your face fuck you you're acting like a pussy you know what i mean like we're, we're else in um america you where know? do you find these girls <laughs> i grew up res man <laughs> and a lot of that you know kind of uh start started um my my decline of of my uh self-perception of myself yeah. no i'm just kidding <laughs> nice and so, um, but I think that some of those things are probably what shapes our world. And then um, I think the other thing too that you and I have discussed before is um, as kids growing up on the reservation, we're raised a little bit different, right? Like there's we, this tough love. We are. We are. There's this tough love given to us by our tahas, by oh, our uncles. man. I have stories of my taha picking me up when I was uh, maybe like 10 years old, 10 11 years old and rolling me in the snow and uh you know and, you know by by today's standards that's child abuse uh but back then that was that was tough pretty lo- standard yeah, it was pretty standard everybody experienced everybody it. experienced that everybody had an asshole living <laughs> in their house basically you know like 
talking crap to you yeah. the majority of the time, yeah. right? Yeah. Talking shit. But you respected them. But you, you, I, I don't know if it was really respect. Maybe more we were scared of them. <laughs> maybe, maybe. But my hopes is that once they get old and they're in a wheelchair, I'm going to find the <laughs> tallest hill. And I'm just going to let go. Goodbye, dog. <laughs> it was nice knowing you. And so, you know, it, it's it's funny because I, I think it really does, you know, as kids, I think for most people that grew up on the res, you know, you had those relatives that kind of, you know, were a little bit harsh with you. Yeah. And so, you know, whether you're walking around in the village or, you know, cruising around Tuba. Yeah. And if you saw that person, you're like, oh, my God, God damn it. They're there. And then you do whatever you can to to make yourself look small. And like, I hope they don't see me. <laughs> yeah. I hope they don't see me because I know that, you know, if they see if they see me, they're going to say something to me. Yeah. And, you know, the, 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 so I'll, I'll never hear the end of it. Yeah. And yep. so you got exactly. those people out there that are like that. And but, you know, it, it gives us this res toughness. It, <laughs> it gives us this res toughness. So yep. I, I think that's a part of it. Um, and so another aspect I think about um, res life, you know, you think about a res home. We talked about the multi-generational yep. families. But I think that, you know, one part of the reservation life that's kind of also universal, it's not just a Hopi thing, but it's it's a world, uh, a res-wide thing. Oh, yeah. Is the, the, the concept of the Indian car. <laughs> the res car. The res car. <laughs> and so I thinking about a res car, what, what are some qualifications to a res car? What makes a res car a res car? Well, first of all, it must not run. It must sit in your, uh, your yard for at least six months. <laughs> <laughs> I I think that like for me I think like the minimum qualifications for a res car is that there has to be at least five things on it that don't work. <laughs> Usually it's the air condition. Yep. A lot of the times it's the power windows. Either the windows don't go down yeah. or they don't go up. Yep. Um, Usually it's riding on at least two donuts. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, and then I think that another big part of of res res cars is that it's it's usually a vehicle that's been handed down from generation, and it must seat at least fifteen people. And it must seat at least fifteen people, even if the manufacturing manual says that it only seats four. <laughs> That's the res ride. And I think that um, one of the things that's funny about, you know, I I guess the way that we live, these res vehicles and how they shape us to being who we are, is that, you know, uh, we've talked about, you know, growing up on the reservation in a way that we're almost raised to break the law. Oh, yeah. Because when you're cruising around in your res ride... And you got six kids in the car with two adults. Yeah. More than likely, you know, you got some kids riding up front. And, and when you're when you're driving and the kids are in the, the seats and not in, in car seats. With no seat And belts. there's a cop coming. You just get down, get down into the seat. And yeah. then so, you know, as kids, we're, ra- we're, we're trained yeah. to keep an eye out for the cops. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that when we see the cops like, oh, crap, I got to get down because <laughs> mom and dad's going to get us in trouble. Yeah. And so that's kind of a funny. I, I guess the fun, to me, it's a funny dynamic of the reservation life is that, you know, um, I guess in, in, in the white communities, you know, the police are are perceived as, you know, they uphold justice. Oh, yeah. They, they protect. They keep the peace. Oh, yeah. They're, they're the peacemakers. But on reservations, you know, they're the ones that stop the party. Oh, yeah. They're, they're, 
them. They're the ones that kind of. Uh, they're it's because of them that you know Uncle it has was in jail for <laughs> two or three years. You know, and, it's because of them that. You and know, we're always mad. We're always mad at the cops because you know they took my you know they took my business away they, because you're because you know, you're bootlegging <laughs> or selling drugs. <laughs> now I can't provide an income. Yeah. But that's res life for you. That's res life. And so, you know, some of these things like, you know, being exposed to um, violence at an early age, whether that's, you know, through domestic violence or, you know, just being dumb kids and fighting each other or, you know, being raised to look out for cops and try to dodge cops. You know, I, I think for me, like I say these things not really to bring attention in, you know, kind of a negative way to where you say, like, yeah. you know, like we're poor people and, you know, we, we lived in, in this way. Um, because of uh, we live in poverty. But for me, I really think that thinking about us as children being exposed to certain things at a very early age or being raised to um, avoid the cops because oh, yeah. our res car technically only seats four, but we usually can squeeze eight people around, in there. Around the minimum eight. I, I say these things because I think that it's a, a perspective of, of how we live, of how we're trying to adapt uh-huh. to the Pahana uh, world. Because, you know, you can... Um, I guess everybody can uh, say that we live in this white man's world to to quite an extent. And even probably a larger extent oh, yeah. than, than we care to accept. And so, you know, this this Bahana world is not something that we really chose for us, but more so was imposed on us. And so we try to do our best to still maintain our traditional ways of life, still try to be Hopi, but yet we're um, living this uh, Bahana life and then we're trying to adapt. Oh, yeah. And then so we adapt by taking Uncle's res car down to college. We adapted poorly. (laughs) Speak for yourself. <laughs> I'm a poor man. I'm a poor. I'm a poor guy. I, I I'm going to save that soundbite. And you know, <laughs> but I I think that it's just an adaptation, you know, of how we live, and then um, I guess you know how, how we try to keep things moving forward. That is true. Well, I think it's uh, I think it's about that time. Okay. Yeah, I think it's about that time. Well, awesome. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I appreciate, you know, the platform and I appreciate you all at home listening to, you know, our episode two and hope that we keep you along for the ride and keep oh, yeah. a lookout for uh, episode three. That's going to be coming up. Uh, the Urban Experience. All right. I'm your host, Carl, and this is Jay Man, And thank you for listening. All right. Thank, thank you. And so long.